The Physician's Road. Create your life in medicine, on your own terms. Today, we are on the path to wealth. Today, on the Physician's Road podcast, we speak with Russell Gray from the Real Estate Guys radio show about syndication. We talk about what it is, how to effectively choose one, and why investing in a syndication can be a great part of a diversified investment portfolio. We also invite you out to the Secrets of Successful Syndication, where you can learn the nuts and bolts of syndication and meet in person hundreds of actual syndicators. Go to thephysiciansroad.com forward slash syndication. Again, thephysiciansroad.com forward slash syndication to learn more. The Physician's Road is brought to you by Vernonville Asset Management. Vernonville Asset Management was created to help physicians build wealth and create income beyond Wall Street. Through our exclusive private investments, doctors can begin to free themselves from the burdensome regulations in healthcare by creating income streams independent of medicine. Go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get your free report, Wall Street's Biggest Lie. Again, go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get Wall Street's Biggest Lie and free yourself today. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Physician's Row podcast. Today, we're on the path to wealth, and I'm happy to welcome back Russell Gray from Real Estate Guys Radio Show. That's found at realestateguysradio.com, and you can find them on iTunes as well. They're one of the most downloaded real estate podcasts in the marketplace. And today, we're going to talk about syndication. Um, we've been getting a lot of questions about what syndication is, um, the background of uh, how does it fit in potentially people's investment portfolios? How does it differ from crowdfunding and REITs and those types of things? And so we'll get into some of that today. Um, but what I really want to do is kind of do nuts and bolts syndication. And the reason why I wanted to have Russ on is because Russ actually teaches syndication. He's also been a syndicator, and we'll go into that a little bit. But we want to kind of sit at the foot of the master. Um, he has helped uh, syndicators raise probably over $100 million in the past few years through their syndication mentoring program. And I am actually a graduate of that program. And so instead of me talking about syndication, even though we do it and I don't really talk about it here on the podcast, um, I didn't want to have the conflict of interest of talking about syndication. So I'd bring in somebody who actually teaches it to kind of give us a basic overview of what syndication is and how it can be helpful in your investment portfolio uh, going forward. And so Russ, can you tell us a little bit about um, kind of your background in syndication and teaching it? Yeah, sure. I, I think the, the concept of syndication is pretty simple, and it is using what you have to get what you need to do what you want to do in business or in investing. And so when, you know, Tony Robbins says, <clears throat> excuse me, Tony Robbins says, you don't lack resources, you lack resourcefulness. And when you realize that everything you need is out there in the world, it's really your ability to put together a deal or a structure that attracts those things that you need, whether it be talent or capital or credit or deal flow, whatever it is. So syndication is really the act of putting all those pieces of the puzzle together. I got involved in real estate investing and specifically the mortgage business uh, at the beginning of the 2000s because I felt like there was going to be a big opportunity in uh, marketing debt, in other words, making loans, because the baby boomer generation was going to be moving from their asset accumulation phase of their portfolio life to the income production phase of the portfolio life. And as they were investing in fixed income securities, I felt like there was going to be a big opportunity. You may or may not recall that in the late 90s or in, in, during the Clinton administration, especially from 94 on, uh, when the, the Republicans picked up the House, 
we ended up with a budget surplus for the very first time in a very long time. So there's a big emphasis on corporate bonds for people who were looking to invest in income. And then we had all those accounting scandals with uh, Arthur Anderson and Enron and and uh, uh, WorldCom and some of those things that went on. And people lost faith in corporate debt. And there was a big move towards mortgage-backed securities. Of course, we know in 2008 what happened. It kind of all blew up. But during that time, there was a lot of money in, in that space. And so combining both the, the appreciation of real estate at the time, the, um, the availability of, of debt, easy money, and uh, a lot of you know opportunities to to invest. It seemed natural to be able to play at a bigger level that you'd begin to syndicate. So you know that's that's what my partners and I began to do. We had a group of people that we worked with, and they believed in us. And we, because we were in the position we were in, had a lot of deal flow. And when you can put deals together with money, um, that's what syndication is all about. Perfect. And so let's talk about it a little bit from an investor standpoint. So that was a very high level overview. So for someone who was saying, hey, let's say we have a physician, dentist, healthcare professional, someone who was new to real estate or was doing smaller real estate projects, and they're like, well, what is this syndication thing when it comes to real estate most of the time? What, what, what is that? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way to think of it is let's say that you on your own could go buy a single family home as an investment and you're going to have one tenant, you're going to have one property and one source of income and you're going to be fully responsible for the downside as well as you get all of the upside. And you decide, you know what, as good as it sounds, um, I think that that might be a little too risky for me. So what I'll do is we'll go buy a bigger property and we'll get a four unit building I'll get three of my buddies together with me. <clears throat> we'll each put in one fourth and we'll share it one fourth each. And that way we share the downside. We share the upside. We have four streams of income instead of just one because we have four tenants instead of one. And we have uh, a little bit bigger deal. So maybe there's a little less competition. You know, when you're investing in small deals, you're competing with the masses. When you go for a little bit bigger deal, you're dealing with more professional investors and they tend to be a little bit more sober about not bidding things up to where it doesn't make sense. So a simple syndication would be everybody throws in 25% of the money needed to capitalize the deal. You split the profits four ways and maybe one guy takes a little bit extra because he's the person who's actually organizing it. The other three people are passive. They're working their day job and so they just put their money in, but they don't make any decisions. So you have a syndicator or a sponsor, the person who puts the deal together, and then you have the passives or the uh, non-active members who were just investing money and letting the manager, the active person, manage the deal. Perfect. And breaking those two things up is where I was, I was going to ask next, next so people can get a kind of understanding of just the basic structure of, the syn of syndication. And so just to recapitulate, because our next question is going to be is why should someone consider investing in it? You talked about diversification of risk. So instead of somebody putting all of their eggs in one particular project where they're the sole person responsible, you talked a little bit about diversifying, um, bringing more people in and, and spreading the risk around a little bit. What other reasons could can you think of that someone, would, a busy person, a busy professional would want to be to join a syndication potentially? Well, I mean, th I think there's a couple of different things. One is, um, I think one of the big unsung benefits of, of uh, syndication private placements is privacy. You know, if you are in a litigious business, you're a doctor, let's say, 
<clears throat> and you'd like to have uh, some of your assets not you know in some public registry somewhere you want to own property but you don't want it to show up in your name you can purchase your shares through a limited liability company which is completely private and so there's the privacy aspect obviously we talked about the the idea of having a manager a sponsor who's running the deal so you don't have to so uh, it's the convenience. That's why a lot of people, I think, invest in the stock market because they just turn the money over to a fund manager or a financial advisor and let them make all the decisions. And they're basically passive. Uh, and so you kind of get that benefit as well. Uh, you can invest in a lot of things that are not heavily traded. And I think there's a big advantage in that. You know, when you look at the stock market or any publicly traded market, it's an almost perfect market in today's technological age, meaning that uh, when something is out there being offered, you know, that, that anybody in the world can bid on it. And so, you know, the idea of there being inefficiency in the price discovery mechanism is a lot less likely to occur than when you're doing a, a deal that is really one-off. Real estate's inherent benefit is that it's inefficient. You can get deals that nobody else knows about, and every single deal is different. So unlike a share of stock in, say, Apple or Exxon, which is the same price pretty much around the world and one share is the same as every other share, uh, real estate and properties are very, very different. Each property, even two houses right next to each other on the very same street with the very same floor plan can be very different when it comes to negotiating the price because of the condition, because of the motivations of the seller, because of how much exposure it gets in the open market, because of the financing structure, uh, I, you know, the, the condition of the property, I could go on and on. The point is there's a lot of inefficiency. And so syndications, especially real estate syndications, give you the opportunity to plug into somebody's network if the sponsor's well-connected uh, and has deal flow. And these are things that aren't available on the street. So I think that that's part of it. Another big benefit is the management structure is pretty flat. You know, if you think about those big towers and all the Wall Street ads and, and how much how many people are between you and the actual security itself? When you buy a share of stock, there's a lot of people to feed in between you and that purchase. And when you think about doing a syndication, it might just be you and the manager. And that's the relationship. There really isn't anybody else involved. So the available profit from the transaction, most of it is available to split between the principals and you don't have this big bureaucracy of management built into it. The other thing is, is when you're doing a non-private or a non-public placement, you don't have those public registration expenses, which Eric, I know you're very, very familiar with. It's extremely expensive to set up a public registration. So either you have economies of scale and you have to do something very, very large, which then you have a lot of advertising money to attract all the capital to do the deal, or you do something small and then you have to eat all those costs up inside of a smaller deal. And then that really dilutes the return. You don't have any of that in a private placement. The, the cost of setting up a private placement is relatively small. So I think there's that. Uh, so those are kind of some of the, the positives. I think one of the other positives, uh, which could also be considered a negative, uh, is that private placements are generally illiquid. And the reason that's great is because the liquidity in publicly traded securities is your ability to get back to cash quickly. 
But because you can get back to cash quickly, anytime something weird happens in the market, some little blip, some little insecurity, everybody can dump their shares, crash the price, and run to cash. It doesn't work that way generally in private placements. So once you put your money in, you're in for the duration, whether it's a two-year, three-year, five-year hold or whatever it is, and that's all disclosed to you on the front end of the deal. Uh, but that lack of liquidity also provides a degree of stability. Perfect. That was exactly how I wanted to answer it. I didn't know what you were going to answer, but that's perfect because it gives people a nice overview of syndication and um, the, the benefits. So let's talk about why you all began teaching syndication. What, 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 what was the motivation behind that? What, what were you trying to effectuate in the world by doing that? Well, I, I mean, I think, as I mentioned, we, you know, I started out in the mortgage business and I was looking for ways to understand capital structures. I am enamored of the debt side because you are able to lock in all the upside for yourself where most of the money comes from someone else who's taking a fixed return, you know. So if I borrow money at 30 years for 6%, then if I can do a deal that returns 20, the 14 is all mine. And even though 80% of the money or 70% of the money came in at the fixed rate, debt's very inexpensive. Uh, the challenge is you do have to marry debt with equity. And so you have to have some cash. And if you don't have enough cash yourself, that's where your equity partners, uh, the people who are investing with you can come in. Although you can certainly create pools to invest in debt as well. So we started teaching it when the capital markets got destroyed in 2008. We saw a huge opportunity. The need for capital in the market didn't go away. The need for people who had capital savers to get a yield on their investment, that didn't go away. What was broken was the mechanism that connected the capital to the deal. That got broken. And so we saw a huge opportunity for private entrepreneurs to come in and bypass the whole security structure and just take advantage of contracts, which is what private placements are, uh, and put together private deals. And of course, syndication has been around for a long, long time, but we felt like it was going to become a lot more necessary and people would be a lot more open to looking at it. Little did we know that just a few years later in 2012 in the Jobs Act, that they were going to open up. Uh, the availability of that to accredited investors. And I, maybe we'll get into a little bit of what those details are. But the short of it is, the, 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 the hard part for being a, a sponsor or a syndicator um, prior to the JOBS Act and the regulations that came out at the end of 2013 was that if I wanted to go raise capital from people privately, I had to have a pre-existing relationship. And if I didn't, then I was in violation of the securities laws. I had to publicly register with all the baggage that we talked about earlier that comes with that. So by being able to do a private placement and being able to advertise it, now I could take these deals, the kind of deals that you drive by every day. You know, if you're driving around your neighborhood and you see somebody building a little shopping center, a little apartment building or whatever, you know, there's... There's, there's, there's a high probability that deal was syndicated. The big, big deals are done institutionally, but those mid-sized infill deals, a lot of those are done by private investors, private developers that have syndicated those deals. And if you're not connected to those people, there's no way for them to reach you and there's no way for you to easily reach them. It used to be you had to go join the country club and network and try to find these people. But today, they can actually come looking for you if you're an accredited investor. They can advertise for you. So for the sponsor, the syndicator, it's opened up a world of capital. And we think that that's, it's even gotten to be a better opportunity. Of course, we've seen a big influx in students in our program because of that. 
And I think the other part of it is it's opened up a world of opportunity for the investors because now they get a whole palette or a smorgasbord of deal flow that was never available to them before. And so it's really been a win-win, I think, in a lot of ways. It just takes a while for the market to uncover uh, that this is available. And, it, you know, here we are in 2018, and it's been, you know, maybe maybe five years, and it's still very, very few people really understand or know how to take advantage of private placement. So we teach it because we want to see Main Street investing in Main Street. The other fallout that came for me personally after 2008 was I, I just really saw how nasty, uh, the, you know, I'd say Wall Street and the banks are, uh, and maybe nasty is a hard word, but I just feel like they abuse the marketplace. Uh, I, I think that Main Street would be better off investing directly in Main Street and not having to send their capital uh, into Wall Street and all the skimming and games and shenanigans that go on there. I think uh, the big motivation for Robert and I in teaching syndication is to help Main Street invest in Main Street. Great. And this will dovetail because I'm going to ask you a question about kind of how you're molding promoters in terms of doing the, the process correctly. But let's, the next question I have for you is, what should an investor look for in a syndicator slash promoter um, when they're looking at these projects out in the marketplace? Well, I, I think it's the same thing you look for in anybody. You're asking to provide professional service for you. You know, you want to make sure they're competent. I think that's really important. Uh, you want to make sure that they have good ethics. You know, a lot of times the problem, one of the mistakes people make is they invest with people they know and trust they never bother to check to see if they're competent. The other challenge they have is they invest with people that are competent, but they never look at the warning signs about their ethics. And the problem is if you deal with somebody who's really competent but unethical, they'll surgically remove your money from you. And if you deal with somebody who is really nice but incompetent, they'll lose all your money through their incompetence. They'll feel really bad about it. But at the end of the day, it didn't work. So you have to have both. And the other thing is you have to make sure that they have availability that the person is really committed to doing the work of running the project and, and seeing it and getting it over the finish line. And part of that is you want to make sure they have a good support network. And that comes both from what kind of a team do they have? What kind of a advisory board do they have? Uh, what kind of um, network do they belong to? I, I, you know, we spend a lot of time building these networks for syndicators because you can't just sit in your crib with your you know, trading app and dial up deals. It doesn't work that way. And most of the deals that are available publicly, at least in the real estate space, are typically the things that have been picked over. They're the leftovers. So the key to really being in the deal flow is being plugged into a people who are out there highly connected, highly networked. So, you know, if I'm sitting down to talk to a sponsor, I want to know, you know, I want to, I want to hear them talk and demonstrate to me their expertise, that they really know their market, their product type, that they have a business plan. Uh, I want to know them and know them well enough to have seen them under pressure or to know people that I trust that have done business with them. So I feel like they're ethical, that they have a good business reputation. Uh, I want to understand how they're organized, how their business is set up, who supports them, what kind of advisors they have. And I want to know a little bit about their network and who they're connected to and how they're going to find deals and other investors to marry with my money so that we're going to be able to go do those bigger, more profitable deals. Perfect. I think that is a great, succinct um, 
checkpoints for people as they're looking for potential sponsors in the marketplace. And so, let's- uh, Eric, I got one other thing that I think is important um, okay. that I I'd just like to share on that, and, and that is, I think you can learn a lot about somebody's character by the way they interact with you on the front end. In syndication, at least the way we teach it, no sponsor, no person raising money should ever take your money without understanding, first of all, uh, who you are, what your goals are, what you want your money to do for you uh, in terms of time frame, in terms of ROI, in terms of peace of mind. Uh, there's risk tolerance considerations. So they should take some time to understand that. If they're not asking those questions, I would get the feeling they're more concerned about themselves than about you. And the other big, big red flag for me is if I'm talking to someone and they say, oh, my minimum's 100,000, and they ask, you know, do you have 100,000? The, the better question is, is if you say, yes, I have 100,000, well, how much of your total net worth does that represent? And how much of your liquid net worth does that represent? Because someone who is willing to take a big portion of your net worth or liquid net worth into one single deal is not really thinking about the ramifications. Every deal can go bad. Everyone, no matter how good it looks on paper, no matter how confident you are, every deal can go bad. And so no matter how good it looks, you as an investor should never put all your eggs in any one basket and no syndicator should ever allow you to do it. I, I, I had one guy who wanted to put the vast majority of his stuff into a deal. We cut his investment in half because we said, we don't want to be responsible for that much of your net worth. And so to me, that's a sign of, of, of a good syndicator, a professional syndicator. And the last thing I'd say is just good paperwork. You know, if, if you're going to go do an investment with somebody and their paperwork isn't in order, they don't have the subscription agreement, the operating agreement, they don't have a good pro forma, they don't know their numbers or can't explain their numbers to you, you know, maybe they just hired somebody to put the deal together and they don't really understand their own deal. That's kind of a red flag for me too. Great. Now that was, that was an, an even deeper um addition. And, and I think that last part was very, very helpful um, for people um, because let's pivot because this wasn't on, on the questions, but there's a, a lot comes up about crowdfunding versus REITs versus private syndications for people who want to get into real estate. Um, and do you have a thought process because crowdfunding is syndication, um, but do you have a thought about crowdfunding versus private syndications and then REITs as people are trying to construct a real estate portfolio? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think REITs are okay from the standpoint of at least it lets you to get into real estate, but many of the problems that you have with Wall Street, you have with REITs. And my biggest problem with any publicly traded security that is making its way through Wall Street is the way Wall Street does its business. I call them Wall Street casinos. But when you talk to people about their investing, most of the time, even if you listen on mainstream financial news, they will talk about bets. This person placed a bet. I mean, they literally use gambling terminology when they're talking about how they make investment decisions about your money. So I'm just not a fan. So to me, a, a publicly traded security like a REIT, a real estate investment trust share, uh, has the heavy loading of a public registration. Uh, so the, the return is diluted. Uh, you have the temptation to manage quarter to quarter instead of for the long term. 
because you're always trying to hit your share prices. You have to deal sometimes, depending on the nature of the beast, with redemptions. And so there could be liquidity issues. Uh, and then you just have the way people, you know, gamble in, in, in with, with publicly traded security. So, so to me, a private placement is, is just more stable. Um, as far as crowdfunding goes, to me, crowdfunding is trying to give you the convenience of Wall Street where you can sit in your bedroom and get online and click and buy uh, with, with real estate and private placements. Um, it, you know, again, to me, it's okay. Uh, what it's not is personal. Um, I think, you know, and again, I'm not an expert on crowdfunding. We took a look at it in the very, very beginning, but because of the nature of the beast, there's some limitations in terms of how much money you can actually put in. That can be good and bad, I suppose. Uh, but, but to me, I, I just feel like if, if you're going to uh, be a serious investor, the idea of being invested in a private placement with a, a syndicator or a sponsor that you have a personal relationship with, and you're going to commit larger chunks of capital to a few deals and a few syndicators, let's say, uh, that, that to me is preferable, but it also comes with some responsibility. You have to, um, you know, you're, you're counting on yourself to vet the, the, the syndicator. You're counting on yourself to understand the deal and the risks. So you do have to have a little bit of education to do it. But to me, I mean, if you think about the things in life, you know, your money, your body, your relationships, I mean, there's certain things in life that you just have to understand or you're going to get taken advantage of or you're going to you know, make dumb mistakes that could have permanent or very long-lasting consequences. And so to me, of all the things you could learn in life, learning how to be a good investor. So a lot of times, you know, we see people who are interested in syndication are people that have been active real estate investors, and they understand how hard it is. They understand the level of work. And they say, you know, I love all the benefits of real estate. I love what it does as an asset class, if you can call it that. I, I, there's so many things I love about it. I just don't want to do it anymore. So for someone who's built up a degree of wealth in uh, a portfolio of real estate and just wants to be done with the work of being a real estate investor, you can become a passive investor with someone else who enjoys doing the work. Because, you know, one thing I've learned in life is for everything I hate to do, that that's somebody else's bliss, right? Somebody else out there gets up every day and can't wait to do the things I hate to do. Well, God bless them. If I can get into a business relationship with them where it's mutually beneficial, wonderful. And so I feel like syndications can do that. So of the three, REITs, you know, it's publicly traded securities, got some of the baggage on it that comes with Wall Street. Um, crowdfunding to me is impersonal. Um, you're just lost in the crowd. I want to have a personal relationship. I want a bigger chunk of the deal, maybe even a voice. I might not have a vote, but at least I can be heard. Uh, I can understand the deal. I can look at the deal. I can look the sponsor in the eye, uh, ask questions. So I, I feel like, you know, I'm not anti-crowdfunding, but I just feel like true syndication, private placements, personal relationship, Main Street investing with Main Street really is, is, is my preference for all the reasons I just said. Got it. Now let's talk about the potential pitfalls and downsides of syndication um, for, for people. Yeah. Well, I mentioned earlier, you know, liquidity. I mean, you know, if, if, if you need to have the type of investment where you need to be able to get to cash immediately, um, syndication is probably not for you. Uh, and so you just need to be aware of that. Uh, I think in any investment vehicle, uh, whether it's a mutual fund or a stock or a bond or, you know, a shares in a 
limited liability company private placement, you know, you want to make sure that you don't mismatch the um, planned uh, performance or the characteristics of the investment with your objectives. You know, if, if I'm investing for capital gains and I'm buying bonds, that could be a miss, especially in a rising interest rate environment. You know, if I'm investing for, um, you know, a, a short-term preservation of capital and I invest in a development project that's going to take five years to build and it could go bust, but could give me a 20 or 30% gain. That's just a mismatch of what I want my money to do and what the investment is designed to do and what the person who's managing the investment is trying to do. So mismatching of timing objectives and risk is, is a common mistake that any investor needs to be aware of. And I mentioned earlier, too much exposure to any one deal. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy to do. And even though the sponsor should be uh, responsible for not letting you do that, um, you know, if he's not, you need to be responsible for doing that yourself. Uh, so, you know, there's probably others. I mean, not reading the paperwork, not understanding the risks, not understanding your rights. Uh, I think that's important. You know, there's, there's no reason these deals are not that complicated. There isn't any reason why you shouldn't read every piece of paper uh, and understand it and get your questions answered. Um, it's not bad to have your accountant and your estate planning attorney and your asset protection attorney, uh, you know, take a look at the documents and just make sure that they fit in, that you understand the tax consequences. Uh, there can be some real tax benefits too. You know, a creative sponsor can organize a deal where a disproportionate amount of tax benefits roll to the people in the deal who need them. And, uh, you know, and I think the big thing is asking yourself the what ifs. Um, and the, so you either don't ask enough of the what ifs, what if this happens, what if that happens, and thinking all that through, or you focus on everything that could go wrong and then you don't do anything. Because not doing anything is one of the biggest mistakes you could make too. So it's not to be pessimistic and it's not to be optimistic. It's to be realistic. It's to understand the upside of the deal and the downside of the deal and understand, is this a risk I can afford to take? Is this a risk that I'm willing to take? And then once you've done it, I think then letting the person do their job and not being, um, you know, not being difficult, if you will. I mean, it's great to have questions and you should get them answered. But once you've made the decision, then ride the thing out unless unless you see something, you know, major red flag. If you're going to be neurotic about the investment, you're going to drive the sponsor crazy. And I'll say one last thing is that when you find a great sponsor, when you find somebody that's doing good business, that, that manages details, that uh, has good communication and actually delivers on the promise, then do your very best to become their very best investor. Not only with your own money, but also by referring your friends and family and people who actually will ultimately become your partners, people that you would do a deal with yourself, but you're not putting the deal together. Bring that to the person who is putting the deal together because the basic concept of syndication is team. Together, everyone achieves more. My money matched with your money, matched with their money, matched with somebody else's talent, somebody else's relationships, somebody else's credit. We put all that together in a blender. It comes out and it creates this puree of a deal where everybody gets something and they're all so excited about it, they want to do it over and over and over again. So it's not like just two ships passing in the night. It's really about establishing a relationship with a network of people that are committed to growing this 
their wealth and yours over decades and you do the journey together. Great. I think that's a perfect way to, uh, to, 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 to end that section. So I'm going to let you promote a little bit here. Um, you all do a, an event called Secrets of Successful Syndication. I've been to every one except for one, I think. Um, and explain to a potential investor, even though they may not be a person who's going to go out and raise capital to go do a project, why they might want to attend a session, a, an educational session like that. Well, I and mean, the purpose of the event is to explain what syndication is, what the roles and responsibilities of all the parties involved, the sponsor, the passives, the advisors, uh, who you need to have on your team, understanding kind of the upside, the downside, what compliance is all about, uh, how you can get started right away. If I'm not planning on becoming a sponsor, at least not right away, then I'm coming because I want to understand how a sponsor thinks. What is a syndicator thinking about? What is their motivation? Where in the paperwork could they be hiding things that take advantage of me? Or where could I notice signs that they really don't know what they're doing? One of my pet peeves is funding all vital functions. And not, not everybody understands this because some people think it's a negative. But, you know, if I look at a deal and the sponsor is only getting profit sharing, meaning they only get paid at the end of the three years or the four years or the five years from profit sharing, it makes me wonder how are they going to cover the expenses of managing the project for three to five years? Now, if somebody has another business um, you know, we have friends like that. We've got a friend who's got a big property management business. He's got a great income coming in. He doesn't need to make money from managing the syndication. So he donates his time or advances his time and then takes all his money on the back end. And that's great. But most people are going to need to pay their staff. They're going to need to pay their operating expenses along the way. So we talk about that in the, in the session, explain kind of what the model is. You know, you got the promote for raising the money. You've got the money for, you know, the, the management fee for actually managing the deal. And the bulk of it should really be coming on the back end. So we talk about that kind of stuff. The other reason to come is just to meet people and understand the kind of deals that people are doing. Who are syndicators? What kind of people are they? Are they like tinfoil hat people? Are they weirdos? Is it a cult? Or are these like regular people? Um, are, are they the kind of people that I would want to do life with and do my investments with? Uh, and, then, and then also, you know, we have, uh, we have kind of this turnkey provider, uh, turnkey syndication session where we go through and we talk about some of the different types of deals that are out there to be done. A lot of times when people think about real estate in particular, they only think about houses or they think about houses and apartment buildings or maybe houses, apartment buildings and office complexes. But there's a whole lot of other things that people are syndicating out there in the real estate space. And you get a chance to meet people who are actively out there in these various niches doing these different types of deals, maybe, maybe investment classes you've never even considered. And so you'll get some exposure there too. So worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to learn something. And then for, for someone who says, hey, I, I think, you know, maybe I would be interested in becoming a syndicator, but I'm going to start. You can start out by being passive, where you invest in somebody else's deal. You kind of look over their shoulder. You watch what they do. You learn by observing. You're a participant, so you're really going to pay attention. Uh, and then at some point you say, hey, you know what? I've seen this. I think I can do this. And then you build the relationships with the people and the advisors that can support you as you kind of stick your toe in the water and begin to do your very first syndication. Probably like the very first time you did a surgery. 
Um, you know, the first time it's probably nerve wracking. I don't know. I've never done it. I, I faint at the sight of blood. But I would imagine, you know, the first time you land an airplane or take off or the first time you do a surgery or the first time you're on your own ever doing anything, it's a little nerve wracking and you want to know that somebody's going to be there for you. And then, and then ultimately you become competent and then you just grow. It's a practice just like anything else. You get better as you continue to do it. And so it's always good to be part of a network of people that are actively doing it. So all of that is present. We're going to have a couple hundred people there, maybe 300 people there. It's always a different collection. These are active syndicators that are teaching from the front of the room and professionals who support them. Nobody is just an academic. Nobody is talking theory. Everybody lives in the real world doing real deals in the streets. Great. And so we're going to put a, a link on the show notes page and the show notes will be uh, thephysiciansroad.com forward slash syndication. Um, and I think that you may be putting a way for them to email to get uh, information on that project, uh, on that um, event as well. Yeah, I mean, if anybody listening just wants to send an email to Dr. Syndication, Dr. Syndication at realestateguysradio.com, Dr. Syndication at realestateguysradio.com, then we will send you information about the next upcoming Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar, and uh, you can decide if you think it's something you'd like to come to. Uh, we'd sure love to have you. Perfect. And to wrap up, is there anything that I should have asked you that I did not? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that a lot of people don't really realize about this is there's uh, there's a big pool of capital a lot of people have they don't realize is available to them for these types of investments, and that's their individual retirement account. So if you've worked at a company and you've got an old 401k, you can roll it over to a self-directed IRA. Uh, if you're self-employed, you can set up something called a qualified retirement plan, a solo 401k, uh, gives you checkbook control. And you can take that capital and you don't have to put it in the stock market. You don't have to leave it in the bank. You don't have to put it in an insurance contract annuity. You can invest in private placements and own those shares of limited liability companies uh, inside of your IRA. And so just be aware. I think a lot of people don't understand that they can do that. In fact, we're going to have a couple of different people at the Secrets of Successful Syndication talking about exactly how you do that. Yep. And so we've actually had Damien uh, Lupo on the podcast. So uh, we are actually moving many of our investors into those QRP accounts uh, as well, because just it's probably one of the most powerful things um, I've ever seen. Um, and so we have some of our, our own investors who are beginning to use that as well. So um, with that, I think we're going to wrap up. Any last words for us? And otherwise, we're going to get out of here. Nope. Appreciate you having me and appreciate everybody listening. And uh, hopefully we'll see you at a uh, Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar soon. Meanwhile, you can uh, check us out on the radio, realestateguysradio.com. Perfect. And that was Russell Gray with the Real Estate Guys Radio Show. Um, again, realestateguysradio.com. They have lots of resources on there. They, they have market field trips um, and there's just a lot of great informational resources on that website. And so I want to thank everyone again for listening to the Physicians Road podcast. Uh, again, we're on the path to wealth today. And so please um, go to iTunes or the podcast platform of your choice, and please give us a rating and review. Um, the more ratings and reviews we get, especially the better ones we get, the higher we can rank and the more physicians can find us and get this information out to them. We also have a Facebook group. Uh, just go to Facebook and search uh, the Physician's Road, and it will come up and just answer the questions, and we'll gladly add you in there. We have a lot of private conversations about this and more in-depth conversations uh, around what we're talking about here 
on the podcast. Um, and lastly, please invite your friends and colleagues to thephysiciansroad.com or to subscribe on iTunes. We want to get out to as many physicians and healthcare professionals there are out there. And so again, we want to thank you for listening. This is Dr. Eric Tate signing off. Thanks again, Russ. Thanks, Eric. The Physician's Road is brought to you by Vernonville Asset Management. Vernonville Asset Management was created to help physicians build wealth and create income beyond Wall Street. Through our exclusive private investments, doctors can begin to free themselves from the burdensome regulations in healthcare by creating income streams independent of medicine. Go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get your free report, Wall Street's Biggest Lie. Again, go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get Wall Street's Biggest Lie and free your today. Thank you for listening to The Physician's Road, where you create your life in medicine on your own terms. Please go to thephysiciansroad.com and sign up for your free guides and resources.